West Bulls, good morning. Hey, it dawned on me, we're, we're wrapping up this series today, and it dawned on me this week that after all the weeks of talking about these different giants that show up in our lives and that, um, that, that we're trying to figure out how to overcome, I've not really opened up to you about any of my giants. And so I actually, I have a picture. I want you to meet one of the giants that keeps showing up in my life um, right now. And I've shared with you, I had a lawn business for like 10 years. And so um, I, I just like a nice lawn. And one of the things that just will destroy a lawn quickly, and maybe you're having it happen this summer, are these cottontail bunnies. Okay, and it's like every morning I'll see them in the yard and I will chase them. And, and you see a cute cottontail bunny, but they run into the bushes. I can hear them like cackling at me and making fun of me and pointing at me. And so you see a cute bunny, I see this every single morning. That's what I see, just glaring at me, staring at me. And so um, in the spirit of the story that we began this whole series with, David and Goliath, I, I decided to get a slingshot. I decided to get a slingshot. It's a um, BB dispensing pump action slingshot, okay? And, and it's the kind that like, if, if you pump it once, BB just rolls out of the end of the uh, slingshot. And if, if you pump it four or five times, it's about enough force of like, like flicking something. Now, if you were to pump it 10 times, that would do damage. And, and I don't want to hurt them. I just want them to leave. I want them to get out of my life. And so I settled on a number that would accomplish the intimidation without, without hurting them. I, I um, settled on about 25 to 35 times pumping <laughs> that thing. Now, before you judge me, before you get upset with me, I'm not, I don't use it in the way you're imagining. What I do is, um, in the morning, when these things are chewing on the grass and I can hear them laughing at me, is I get mad. Um, I, I get in their line of sight. And I just hold it up. And I say, this is for you. And then, and they kind of do that little nose wiggle, which in bunny language is, come at me, bro. Come get it. And so I, I, I creep up to the little bunny ear and I say, I, I hold this up. And I say, that's right. Go tell your friends, all right? And they run off. And uh, the next morning, guess who's back? Yeah, yeah, the intimidation did not work. In fact, they brought friends. They brought friends, okay? But isn't it interesting that um, those giants, the giants we've been talking about for, for a number of weeks, have you noticed they just keep showing up over and over and over? And in fact, the story that we, we began this series with, week one, David and Goliath, what did Goliath do? He kept showing up morning after morning after morning. And so, as we, as we end the series this morning, I, I want you to consider something. That those giants that keep showing up in our lives, that we've talked about over a number of weeks, and I know there were some we never even got to, but those giants that keep showing up, while we see the pain they cause and, and the grief and all the, just all the hardship that they cause, could I, could I present maybe an idea to you? that what if the reappearance of those giants in our lives is actually, is actually a sign of where God is working and what God wants to do in our lives? And I, I know that sounds a little odd, especially as we're wrapping up this series, but 
I, I want us to look at something this morning because I, I just want to look at three verses, mainly three verses in the book of Philippians. It was written, written by a, a man named Paul. And Paul is actually facing a situation. And Paul is facing a giant of his own. Paul is in jail. And it's in the midst of his time in prison, in captivity, that he has a few realizations that are good, not just for him, but they can be incredibly life-giving for you and for me. And so I just want us to walk through, walk through these few verses this morning, because these are realizations that if we could get our head around these realizations, well, it would, it would change our perspective on what God is doing in the midst of giants showing up in our lives. So we are going to be in Philippians chapter 1. And as I said, Paul is in a prison cell, a prison cell right now. And we don't know if he's under house arrest or in an actual jail cell in Rome. But look what, it, what he writes in Philippians chapter 1. This is verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me? Now, if you know anything about Paul, he could be referencing a lot of stuff right now. I mean, he was in a riot, and, and not like he was doing the rioting, like it, it nearly took him out. He was in a riot. He had been shipwrecked. He had already done two years in a prison in Caesarea. He had to beg for his life to Caesar. He was now in a prison cell. He was awaiting trial. So when Paul says, I want you to know that what has happened to me, a lot is behind that. And before we move on with Paul, I'd, I'd love for us to stop and think about us, especially as we've, we've had a lot of time to process, especially throughout this series. What, is, what has happened to you? What giant has shown up in your life? Because we all have them. But I want you to, as we walk through this, I want you to just keep that there in the back of your head. What giant has shown up? Because Paul is about to walk us through a pretty powerful realization. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served. Actually served. Did you know, as you think about that giant that has shown up in your life, did you know there's an actually? See, we see the trouble, and we see the heartbreak, and we see the, the sad, and we see the difficulty, but Paul says there's, there's an actually to all this. In other words, what you see, what you experience on the surface of this giant showing up, well, there's more to it. There's a purpose underneath what you see on the surface. He says, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Whoa, wait, wait a second. So, Paul, you're saying that what I'm going through, the thing that I wish was gone every single day, that thing that I'm facing every single day, you're telling me that in some way, somehow, God can use that to advance the gospel? That what started on a hill at a cross a couple thousand years ago, with a handful of people watching, you want to further that message through what I'm going through? And Paul would say, yeah. Yeah, you want to know the first realization Paul is holding up in front of us with this one sentence? Is that what looks like, 
what looks like something happening to me is actually God working through me. And Paul, if he was standing here, he'd look at you and me and he would say, what looks like something happening to you is actually, actually God working through you. I, uh, last night, so this weekend, is, um, it was my 20th high school reunion. 20th high school reunion. And um, there was a big get-together last night. And I felt this thing welling up inside of me over the couple days leading up to it. That I thought, okay, if I go to this thing, um, well, I'm going to have to rent a Lamborghini. Because, um, like, I don't want anybody to see that I, I drive a, a minivan. Because in high school, you remember high school. Like, I remember seeing a classmate a few years after high school, and they're like, oh, did you hear about Justin? I was like, no, what happened to Justin? They're like, he drives a minivan now. Like, a minivan was something that happened to you, okay? And so um, I just went, Ugh. like, we need to rent a Lamborghini that I can show up to this thing in. Well, didn't happen, obviously. And I get to the reunion, and I pull into the parking lot, and it was the greatest sight I've ever seen. Minivan, 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 minivan. Minivan. And suddenly I went, oh my goodness. Like that happened to them and them and them and them too. And I could relate to them. Well, the other thing that welled up in me was I looked in the mirror and I went, oh my gosh, I've got to find a way to make my hair like 10 times thicker before I go to this reunion. And that didn't happen, hasn't happened. Been praying for that to happen, but. I showed up and I went, oh my gosh, it happened to him and him and him and him and we could relate. And there was, there was this element of, of, of one more, I guess, apprehensiveness in me. Um, in the couple days before the reunion, I went, I need to find a way in the next couple days to get like tall, dark, and handsome. And um, don't get me wrong, I'm, uh, I think I'm handsome, just short, white, and stunning is what I am, okay? So... Um, and, you know, it didn't happen. So I showed up and I went, oh my gosh, everybody's less handsome now, 20 years later. And you know what I discovered? It was a point of relating to people. That the things that I perceived had happened to me, God says, no, I can, I can use that to work through you. And deeper than those conversations, there were conversations of heartbreak and of failure and of struggle and of hardship and all this stuff that I thought had happened to me through the years, as I got into conversations with people, you know what I realized? This was a chance for God to work through Because I could relate. I could relate immensely to many of my former classmates. And Paul, you'll see as he goes on, once you have this realization that what looks like something happening to me is actually God working through me, it changes how you see everything else. Look at, look at the very next verse. Verse 13. He says, As a result, it has become clear. I don't know about you, but in the middle of facing a giant, you know, it'd be nice to have a solution, it'd be nice to have it solved, but if I can't have a solution, what do I really want in the midst of that? Clarity. I want something, just God, just make it clear why this is happening, why this giant has shown up, why the struggle. He says, as a result, it has become clear 
but it's kind of surprising who he says it becomes clear to. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace garden and to everyone else. Did you notice who he didn't say in there? <laughs> Himself. He didn't say, oh, now I get it. Now it's clear to me. Paul says, no, it's become clear. My situation has made it become clear to those who are watching my life. Now, here's what you got to know about the Roman guard. The Roman guard, they estimate, was seven to 9,000 soldiers. And here you have Paul in a prison cell. Okay, so he doesn't have access to all seven to 9,000 of these guys all at once. How does he have access to them? One person at a time. Because the way the guard worked was that when somebody was under house arrest or in a prison cell, a guard was stationed right outside that space. And so these Roman guards, they'd take six or maybe eight hour shifts and they would just rotate. And after one finished their shift, the next one would show up. Now I want you to think about something. This is Paul. Paul, who his, his writings com comprise two-thirds of the New Testament. Do you think if you're a Roman guard standing at the door of the space that Paul the Apostle is in, you think you're going to hear about Jesus? Six hours. And, and Paul's kind of hard to understand sometimes. Six hours. You guys have a good. Some of you are trying to figure out how to get through 30 minutes of this sermon, okay? Six hours hours. That's how God made things clear. One person at a time through Paul. And what exactly is made clear? The verse finishes. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Paul Paul who had sailed across oceans, Paul who had very literally gone all over the map. When we think of Paul, we think of crowds and the masses and, and speaking to them. Paul said, even now, even in a situation where I'm one-on-one -on -one and I'm in chains, even now, I know who I represent. And, and it really points to the second realization that Paul is holding up for us. Not only is something happening to you actually God working through you, but Paul is pointing out here that what looks like captivity is actually, actually, it's an opportunity. There is a famous battle in history. Many of you know of it because of movies that have been made. The Battle of Thermopylae. And at the Battle of Thermopylae, it's where we, we learned about the Spartans the 300. And historians agree that while there are elements of it that have probably been exaggerated and dramatized, they all do agree that the Persian forces far outnumbered the Roman contingent of men and their allies. And so what happened in the middle of the Battle of Thermopylae, the, the Spartans were actually up on a mountain pass. And they realized they were kind of pinned down. And what they did is they looked back on this mountain pass and there was a, there was a small opening. And so what did they do? They just kind of retreated a little bit. And as the Persian forces came closer, they retreated a little bit more. And they retreated a little bit more until they were all through this small opening in this really tight terrain. And this terrain actually acted as a funnel that all the Persian troops had to get through. Now you can imagine thousands, tens of thousands of Persian troops trying to get through a small opening. 
And on the other side, in a small space, not much room to wiggle, not much breathing room, here are the Spartans. And the Spartans knew that only one or two or three enemy soldiers could come through that opening at a time. And as a result, the Spartans were able to offset a massive numbers disadvantage, one person at a time. Now, let me come to you and me. Obviously, hopefully none of you is taking this literally. We're not out to spear anybody, okay? But isn't it interesting that God will often not put us up in front of masses and crowds of people, but every single day, the greatest opportunity he gives us is one person at a time. And so as I was reading this, I was just very convicted. A question came up for me. I ask a lot of questions, okay? But a question came up for me. Who's that one person that has access to my life? Who's the Roman guard standing watch of my life? And what message are they getting from that? Am I praying for God to put a Roman guard there, to put one person there? Because Paul would say, you know what? It looks like captivity. It looks like in the middle of what you're going through, this giant that you're facing, it feels like a tight space. Not much room to breathe. Not much room to go or wiggle or move around. And it looks like and it feels like captivity. But it's an opportunity. And Paul says, not only, not only is my captivity, not only is this giant, is God making something clear to this guard, but one other place. Verse 14, Paul says, And because of my chains. See, we don't, we don't like those first few words, do we? Because of my chains? See, I want God to use my victories. And I want God to use my freedom. And I want God to use my success. And, and you can especially, you, you'd think Paul would especially be thinking this. Because Paul was used to being where? Not in captivity. He was going places. He's planting churches. He's engaging with people. He's starting churches. He's writing letters. But he says, because of my chains. Because of my chains. Most of the brothers and sisters, these are those who walk through this life with a faith view the followers of Christ, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord. See, there is something about watching somebody go through something that has a way of emboldening us when we see them glorify Jesus in the middle of it. There's one giant that I know we didn't get to in this series that I know, I know for a fact a number in this room are facing right now. It's the giant of grief and loss. And, and I've had the, um, it's been hard, but this, the privilege of sitting with some people who have faced enormous loss and grief, especially this summer. And, and as hard as it is to watch them go through that, do you want to know what just has emboldened me all the more? Is in the middle of that, you know what they say? But I know Jesus is king. I know he's doing something. I know he's going to use this. And I go, oh my goodness, how? How do, you, how do you take that perspective? Paul finishes. 
And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. See, these are people that Paul was aware. They were a little hesitant to talk about the gospel message because they knew that this could, be, this could appear to be an uprising to the Romans and to those at Philippi as a Roman colony. And this could be a threat. And yet when they looked at Paul and they saw Paul facing this giant, Paul in chains, Paul in captivity, they said, okay, if he can do that in his situation, then I can do it. And Paul, Paul raises a third realization for us here. That what looks like, Paul says, what looks like me being chained up is actually somebody else being set free. God is using me being chained up to set somebody else free. That's the actually of the situation. There is a young girl by the name of Eve Oosterman. Eve Oosterman. She is two or three years old, and um, she actually, she scribbled on a, on a blank sheet of paper. Actually, it's, it'll come up here in just a second. This was Eve's drawing, okay? And to a parent, to a parent, it's a masterpiece, right? Yeah, I mean, you put all those up on, on the refrigerator and on your mirror and all that stuff. But just objectively speaking, this isn't going to go into any museum or anything like that. Why? Because Eve has limitations right now. At two or three years old, this is the extent of what Eve can do. Well, Eve's mom is a woman named Ruth Oosterman. She looked at this drawing one day with, with the limitations of her little one, fully appreciating the gifts and the talents and the desire of her little one to draw a picture. And it did something inside her mom. And her mom took this drawing and created this. And then Eve brought another drawing to her mom. And her mom looked at all this and turned it into this. And then a third drawing came from Eve and her mom turned it into this. And those paintings have sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars, copy after copy after copy. Because you know what? That's what God does. He says, look, whatever giant you're facing, whatever chains you've got, what looks like you being chained up, well, I can use that to actually something, to actually set somebody free. See, what looks like a giant happening to you is actually God working through you. And what looks like captivity is actually an opportunity. And what looks like you being chained up, God says, no, I, I will actually use that to set somebody free. And Paul, if we, could, if we could just summarize all this, you know what he's saying here? It's a new attitude. He says, he looks at his situation, his giant, he says, I'm not chained to this. It's actually chained to me because Paul and every single person who has trusted Jesus Christ as their savior, they know that when you do that and he gives his Holy Spirit, suddenly the giants in our lives become subject to the power of that Holy Spirit. And you can get up every single day 
bunnies in the yard or not, giants in your life or not, you know what you can say? I'm not chained to this. It's actually chained to me. Now, this, this big realization, it actually has a huge implication for Paul and for you and me, because a handful of verses later, I want to read something to you that Paul says that I think he just relates to us on this point. Verse 23, he says, I desire to depart and be with Christ. Have you had those days? (laughs) Have you had those days where you wake up and you're just like, I'm not doing it? Not doing it today. I am not todaying today. You had those and you just stay in bed? or at least you want to, all day long. Yeah, Paul is saying that. You know what? I'd really prefer to not even deal with this. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you. In other words, I want out, but for your sake. For your sake, because I know you're watching. I know you're watching what God's doing in my life. I know that you're watching what the Holy Spirit is doing in my life. He says, it is more necessary for you that I remain. Are you thinking about quitting right now? Is the only solution to this giant that just keeps showing up to somehow run away and to quit? Paul says, just remain. Just remain remain. I will remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. There it is again. And I will continue with all of you for, look at this, your progress and your joy in the faith. You want to know one of the most rewarding experiences this life has to offer? Is that when you get to see that God used your situation, your story, and do something in someone else's life. In fact, Paul expands on it. He says, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Can you imagine one day at the end of your life, somebody were to stand up and say, you know what? I'm where I am because Jesus used your name. There is nothing better that this life has to offer. And when you can take that viewpoint, you know what? A new attitude shows up within you. A new attitude that says, you know what? I'm not chained to this. It's actually chained to me. So a few weeks ago, we had VBS here, Vacation Bible School. And uh, I can't remember, I think it was 250 kids showed up here. And Char had asked Thomas and I to each day Just uh, there had been like a main point for the day and and a key verse. She asked us to close out VBS each day with just a little like uh, pastor moment for two or three minutes. And, um, you know, she said, you know, if it could be funny. And I went, oh, man, I did junior church like 20 years ago. Um, Like I I feel like I have a hard time getting on the level of relating to kids. And um, first couple days were kind of tough from my perspective. And so I got to Wednesday and I just went, you know what? I'm going to let Thomas take the next couple days because I just, uh, I I feel like maybe I should back out of it because I I just feel totally out of my element. And uh, Thomas on Wednesday was like, hey, just so you know, I won't be here Friday. So you got to close it out. (sighs) Okay. So Thursday afternoon... I'm sitting there, I'm just going, okay, Lord, what do you want me to 
how do you want this week to end? What do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? And um, it was simple. It was strong on my heart. He laid on my heart, invite them to know me. Invite them to know me. So we did this little object lesson or illustration on Friday. Um, we had the power drop in the sanctuary because the key point that day was when we're powerless, when we're chained up, when we're facing a giant that we can't overtake on our strength, right? When we're powerless, Jesus saves. Jesus rescues. That's right. And so we get done with this object lesson and uh, just invited them. No, no altar call or anything, but invited them in the quiet of their seats to pray the sinner's prayer, to ask Jesus into their hearts. So we prayed this prayer and um, I told them, you know, go tell family and then come let us know if you prayed that prayer. But it's a no pressure thing. So we left. I show up Sunday morning. And two grandparents came up. And they said, our, our little grandson asked Jesus into his heart Friday. And I went, oh my goodness. I wanted to jump out of this last Wednesday. I wanted to jump out of it because it felt like a giant. It felt like chains. You have to talk to a bunch of kids and relate to them. You know what, you know what I was reminded? I'm not chained to this giant. This giant is actually chained to me. And so, one thing as we close. I, I want to come back to the story that we began this whole thing with. David and Goliath. At the end of that account, you know, we know the story, whether you've been in church or not, you know the story of uh, small David takes on huge Goliath and uh, uses a sling to put the giant down. But look at the end of that chapter. Verse 51 and 52. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, that their giant, Goliath, was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged. They surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Now that's a different ending than how the story began. Because what were the men of Israel and Judah doing at the beginning? Every morning, the bunny, I mean the giant, showed up <laughs> and called out to them and they did what? They ran. They ran. They just wanted out of the situation. And so God raised up a, who, who would be a future king, David, to win that battle, to defeat that giant for them, so that now in verses 51, 52, they could fight from that victory. Well, that was them. And our Heavenly Father was gracious enough to look at you and me and go, you know what? I'm going to send not just a king, the king, Jesus Christ. And I'm going to send him to defeat your giants. And he did it at a cross. He did it at a cross. He won that victory for us so that now, just as the men of Israel and Judah did, we could fight from that victory. Because it was at the cross, he said, you know what? You're no longer chained to that giant. It's actually chained to you. And I will promise you this. There is a surge that is coming when his Holy Spirit, when it grabs hold, 
of your situation, of your life, of your heart, there will be a surge of that spirit. The only question is, will you remain? Will you be standing there when it's time to surge? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, after weeks and weeks of staring and looking at these giants that show up in our lives, we all know they show up and we all see them clearly. But after weeks of talking about them, we're reminded that there is still something in us that wants to run when they show up and we want to leave the situation. And so this morning, I pray, Heavenly Father, that as we look back over this series, but as we look at Paul's words, as we look at your word, remind us, remind us, help us realize and see our situation with new eyes, that it's not something happening to us, it's you working through us, that it's not captivity, it's an opportunity, and that our chains you could actually use to set somebody else free. And so remind us of this every single day, because there, there are many in this room that we've been beat up long enough by the giants, and all we have to do is turn to you and wait for the surge of your Holy Spirit to come in us and through us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.